Recorded live. All right, all right, all right. It is Thursday evening, January 7th. Me and Christine are doing our thing with Happily After Session number three. And uh, Happy New Year, because I ain't talked to you since last year. Uh, we Happy New Year to we, you also. We ain't talk, we text, we ain't talk, though, you know. <laughs> yeah. Happy, and, Happy uh, New Year. Yeah, yeah, thank you, thank you. Uh, I spent my New Year um, chit-chatting with, uh, with three other uh, landmark graduates, you know, so we had this highly evolved conversation that was pretty entertaining for about four hours, you know, uh, because it was, you know, and, and eating veggies. That's what happened, though. That's how I passed, went through the New Year. <laughs> Is that how you got the New Year in? Yes, yeah, so, yeah, well, you know, it is, we was in a group, you know, we went to a friend's house. His, his wife is Filipino, so... You know, there's a whole bunch of Filipinos in the house, and then it was just like us. And, um, and so, uh, you know, we, we kissed and hugged everybody, and then uh, we sat down and talked for three and a half hours. Uh, and that's how I brought the new year in. But it was, you know, powerful intellectual conversation, and it, it was, um, it, it, it was, it was, it stood out by the fact that it was pretty ordinary, other than the, the level of the conversation, you know. That's okay. No, no partying, but anyhow, that's how I brought the new year in. And, I know you didn't ask, but I just shared it anyhow. What the heck? Oh, always good to share. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. I thought so. Uh, yeah. So anyhow, so yeah, starting the new year off right. Um, today is going to be an awesome session. Uh, we're going to deal with uh, emotions. So you know, I'll start off by saying again, you know, the five biggest things that get in the way of a relationship not working is uh, not knowing who you are. We covered that. Not understanding gender differences, uh, we did talk about that when I was last session. This session is going to be not managing emotions, and then the other two is uh, structural and other types of breakdown, and then miscommunication. So today we're going to talk about emotions. And just so that you know, um, you know, when we talked about the gender differences, we talked about, um, you know, how the men should be taking care of things and making life stable, where the woman, you know, is better off at managing emotions. This is yeah. the two sessions, this session and the next session is really an uh, in-depth uh, uh, take care, an uh, in-depth examination of how to uh, take care of the baby and the business, if you remember what I was talking about in the two-dimensional part of a relationship, right? So we're going to work with the baby first, and that's what we're going to cover today, even though I don't usually tell people that, but that is the deal. So so um, before we get started, uh, I bet you you didn't remember the homework because I didn't say you get a daggone thing, right? Uh. Yeah, I, I didn't remember the whole part, but I know you said that you wanted me to look at past relationships, yes. past and present, and just figure out if they are emotional or unemotional, was it? Yeah, yeah. what parts of the relationship were, were the emotional part emotional. or what part was the not unemotional part, and you know, see what you saw yourself in, inside of looking at that. If you didn't do it, you know, I kind of understand it because I didn't send you an email to remind it. So, but uh, if you did, love to hear what you got out of it, you know? Yes, I need I need to, uh, yeah. Can you send that, the second report? Well, when you do it, then I'll uh, be better equipped so we can talk about okay. it next session. All right, good. All right, that's fine, that's fine. All right, so um, then the next question is, um, what have you noticed since, whatever you heard, you know, uh, from, from last session, whatever you got out of the last session, or the last two, you know, how is it, have you seen any, noticed anything different about relationships, or have you learned something, you know or you've got any relations, what? I have. I even gave out some really good advice, too. Awesome. Drop it on yeah. me. Come on, man. <laughs> well, my <laughs> sister, um, 
she had to have a procedure um, a couple of few days last week or so. So um, I had volunteered. No, I asked her if she had anyone to go with her, and she said no, so I volunteered to go with her. And um, so the night before, actually, you and I, we were having our session, and she texted me, and I told her that, no, she called, and I told her I would give her a call back. And she said that her husband had told her that he had um, that he had off that day, and um, he was asking her if she um, if she wanted him to go with her. And so she's asking me what should she say, and I said, well, um, in my uh, teachings, you know, I think if he's asking, then that's his way of showing you that he cares and that he loves you and that he wants to be a part of this process with you. So um, I think it's a good idea for you to, to allow him to go. And, you know, was that was that on point? Yeah, it was. It was because, you know, he was, he, yeah, he wouldn't ask if he didn't, you know, really want to do something about it, you know. So that yeah, was I awesome. mean, he didn't ask the question directly. You know, mm-hmm. but it was like, you know, that roundabout way. And I said, well, mm-hmm. if he's inquiring, then, you, you know, he's interested in being a part of this with you. So, mm-hmm. yeah, let Love me thank you. That worked. And, and then what happened when he went? Um, it worked out, you know. And she she was happy that she allowed him to go. Um, not so much allowed him, but that, you know, she, you know, asked him to, you know, come and go along with him. And, and I'm sure that it made him feel good, you know, by – knowing that he's the one, you know, that he's there to, to help take care of his wife. Mm-hmm, and she felt mm-hmm. good that he was there giving her that support. Yep, because he's you know, over there it's, like... It's a different kind of love, you know, between the sister and the husband love. You know, it's not the mm-hmm. same. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I, I, I get it because, you know, I remember, you know, like um, the times when I... Um, so my first um, child born, uh, her birthday's in a couple of weeks, actually, um, when she was first born, uh, my my ex, uh, we we were not married at the time. She had a water break, and uh, a couple of days before they actually decided to, um, how, what's the term? You know, to, to induce labor pain. Induce, induce labor, labor. Mm-hmm. right? So um, you know, I was there, and I'm to myself, even though I didn't know nothing. In the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, so I need to, I need to make sure everything's going all right. Ain't nothing going to happen to her. That's what I was thinking, you know. And so, yeah, when we go to keep, you know, company, you know, we're like, do I need to beat somebody up? Do I need to have all the answers? Like a lawyer, like what do I need to do here to make sure this thing is going right? And so we like looking around with that look, you know. And when you're describing, I was like, I could feel myself with that same feeling <laughs> that he probably had, even though he didn't want to like be a bully or you know, get her pissed off and it's turned it into an argument if she didn't, if he didn't say it right or whatever, you know. So, yeah, that's what we do. We be like, okay, what do I need to do to take care of the situation here, you know? Um, right. So, you know, because it could be anything from, like I said, you know, protecting her from, you know, bad decisions or protecting her from, you know, giving other people a hard time and then they get mad at her from that so he'll be the brunt of the, the, the grief or the pain or whatever. You know, whatever the case may be, we'll see how we can help take care of her, you know, as much as possible. So that was uh, that was pretty good, you know, good, great advice. Um, tell them I said you're welcome. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist that. That was just fun. So. <laughs> okay, so. Um, let me just go straight into this, and I'm going to go as far as I can before I need to put this on hold for a minute, like I told you earlier. 
Um, okay. Today, I'm going to talk about the impact of being controlled by one's emotions, the impact on you, your partner, and the relationship. It's just a short list, but it's an ugly list. So the impact of being controlled by one's emotions is that uh, you'll have you, your partner, or the, or even the relationship will experience regret, alienation, a destroyed sense of trust, having short-term actions create unwanted long-term consequences. Uh, let me let me just say, like you know, if you was to you you, you see on social media lately that there's been a lot of people ranting and raving about monkeys and black folks and all of that stuff, right? And then they get fired, right? Mm -hmm. You've seen that, right? So that's having short-term actions create unwanted long-term consequences. <laughs> they, they decided to, like, do what they wanted to do, and all of a sudden now they feel better, but now they got to deal with the consequences, right? So that happens in, in a relationship, you know? Um, throwing a husband away when he, he did something that's not all that big a deal makes him feel like you ain't safe. So now he's going to... You know, you feel better, but he didn't. He couldn't forget what you did, and so he, that's going to influence you know future uh, interactions, right? Mm -hmm. So that's one of the impacts of um, you know not managing, um, not being aware of the impact of your emotions, being considered unsafe in the eyes of your partner and others, a negative customer service experience, and then leaving people feeling invalidated, hurt unloved, unimportant, the list is endless on that one. And so that's just a short list of the different things that could happen um, in terms of you, the impact on you, the impact on him, the impact on the space in between, like how you end up interacting with each other. Because whatever, whatever changes between either you, him, or the both of you changes the emotional environment, which is what I'm about to talk about right now. Right. So... Every relationship has what I refer to as an emotional environment. You could also call it a culture, but let me just give you, like, you know, some, some uh, express, uh, communicate it a little bit. All right, so the, the collective feelings that occur between the people in any relationship make up the relationship's emotional environment. This occurs regardless of the type of relationship involved, whether it's work, play, romance, family, enemies, doesn't matter. People rarely ever pay attention to the impact of their feelings and emotions on others. Because of this, people don't know how they contribute to the quality of the relationships they find themselves in. This also has people be at the effect of how they feel and the feelings of others, as if they have no control of their feelings. Let me say that part again. This also has people be at the effect of how they feel and how others feel, as if they have no control of the feelings. You have the power to influence every relationship you find yourself in if you can merely remember that you already are contributing to whatever relationship you're already in. An emotional environment can be loving, violent, cynical, fun, manipulative, regretful, empowering, you actually get to say. From now on, choose which ways you want to feel and focus on that rather than on the emotions of others. With enough intensity, you'll eventually have others feeling exactly as you do. 
So um, everything we say and do affects how we feel about each other. And so I'm going to share this a little later, but the person with the strongest emotions, I'll just go into it right now. The person with the strongest emotions uh, always is, is in charge of the relationship for at least as long as they have the strongest emotions. That doesn't mean once I have the strongest emotions, once I'm always in charge of the relationship. No. The person with the strongest emotions is in, part of, is, is in charge of the relationship for at least as long as they have the strongest emotions. So if you've noticed, babies always dominate the space they're in. If they're happy, if they're happy, even the meanest thugs will start smiling for at least as long as they're in the presence of a baby. When a boss is angry, they dominate the space they're in, not because they're the boss, because they're the one with the strongest emotions. Their emotional strength often comes from the fact that they, there won't be consequences for being angry or whatever they're feeling precisely because they're the boss, even though that's not necessarily true. They feel that way, though. The emotional intensity dominates much more than their title and often adds to the strength of their title, maybe. Having the strongest emotions doesn't mean having the ugliest emotions, such as anger, hatred, or intolerance. It could be also the coolest, most loving, or compassionate which would explain Martin Luther King, Mahatma Gandhi, and Nelson Mandela, for a few examples. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you focus on being loving, understanding, compassionate, or generous to the fullest extent possible, you'll have relationships go your way in the end. So, you know, further any further, let me just ask, check in with you and see, you know, what are you thinking, how are you feeling about what I just said? I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, I mean, especially when you break it down, you know, to and in 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 your example of, um, and then I'm you know just kind of playing around with different scenarios that I've been through. Um, mm-hmm. You know, even with like like you said, the balls, you know, having a, a blowout, um, and people, yeah. you know, kind of like, oh, you know, he's tripping out right now. So let's kind of, you know, take a stand back. But that doesn't mean, you know, so much that people are afraid. It's just like, okay, well, let him have his little moment right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, hmm. But, okay, I get it, though. Yeah, good. You know, um, one of the things I'm going to do, well, you know what, let me just go straight into it because it seems to be um, – Pretty straight. I mean, because people, much people feed off of your emotions, pretty much. So mm-hmm. based on whether if you're happy, sad, angry, or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. like, and, and I think more so in relationships because that's the closest person to you. Yeah. But how do you put, you know, the emotions in check? You know, because sometimes it's a little difficult. I understand. I'm a belong to a men's group. I'm dealing with that myself in the men's group, for crying out loud. I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to have the strongest emotions in here. I actually, actually just got that as I was reading this, you know, because <laughs> there's some stuff going on over there that uh, um, there's a distinction that I learned from, from Landmark, which I love, which is to listen to greatness out of others. And women are, are skillful at that. They may not know how to do that. They got the skill and the ability. They may not have the knowledge of how to do that. So y'all are really great at, at, at making people do things, you know, and influencing people's actions, 
making a feel a certain way, but that doesn't mean y'all are good at it. The ones that are great at it, everybody loves being around them. The ones that suck, everybody's like, oh, man, I got to get away from her. And, so, and then there's, you know, the various levels in the plea. And so, um, you know, having the strongest emotions will have everybody feeling pretty much the way you feel, not so much the way you want them to feel, even though they probably will, but it's more like have them feel the way you feel rather than try to get them to feel the way you want them to feel. Right. Does that communicate? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so what happens is, for example, a woman's trying to get her husband to do something. She's frustrated, but she wants him to feel happy. But what's coming up is that she's frustrated. So you can't be happy in the face of her, uh, her, her frustration unless he understands this concept I just got finished sharing with you. Wow. I just went through something similar today. Hmm. You want to talk about it? Or, or you um, yeah, I guess it was, it was um, I think it was last week, um, the alarm, comp- the, um, something was going on with the alarm system, so the technician had to come out and repair the, um, the alarm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was upstairs, and Paul was downstairs dealing with the guy. And mm-hmm. he comes up, you know, with with frustration. I'm like, oh, you know, you need to come down here because the guy's asking me questions that I don't know, and, you know, and I feel crazy, you know, that something like I don't know something. What he was asking is who was the Internet provider, um, mm-hmm. and, I didn't understand why he didn't know. It's like, well, what do you mean? Like, we watch Comcast. You have a com, you know, you you know, I set up Comcast email, even though he 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 doesn't use it. I don't think, but it's just kind of like, why why the frustration? Because we're not living together at the moment, you know. So, but I heard him say something about, you know, as if. Okay, the guy is asking him questions, and he's looking at him like, "Why don't you know what's going on in your house or something like that?" Mm-hmm. You know, but I'm like, "Okay, yeah. so you're frustrated instead of just coming and asking me, um, mm-hmm. you know." And then I, you know, I kind of got a little annoyed, and mm-hmm. I, you know, went downstairs and I, you know, handled the situation, and then um, I did approach him differently. Um, because I know had I stayed in that in that space, you know, that it wouldn't have been nice for, for either one of us. And, you know, and I probably like, you know, I'm sorry that you were frustrated, you know, by that. You know, however, like, and, and I think that's where a lot of our, um, our issues come in because a lot of the times how he may approach me about certain things or say things. And mm-hmm. it'll just kind of, you know, like fuel fuel me. And I know that that's something that I have to work on because I know those emotions feed off of one another. Yeah. You know, and a lot of times, you know, the arguments aren't even necessary. And I think we have, you know, like a boatloads of arguments, but, you know, there's been times where um, and I just know myself, like I need to be approached, you know, calmly. If that's how you want me to react to you, then you know, I can't deal with, you know, with aggression. Right. You know, it's interesting because um, um, you, what, you, what you just described was beautiful. Um, what you just described was, you know, he hit you with emotions. You hit him back with emotions. And when he hit you with the emotions, it was almost like it, he poured it all over you. So you're minding your business, and all of a sudden he's frustrated, right? 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then the frustration got on you and it changed the way you felt. But then you made an emotional and an intellectual decision, or you made a decision to not go there. And then it ended up making the relationship, making the conversation, the interaction be a little bit less than it could have been if you'd have stayed there where he was at. Right. If you, you know, you can hear you, he poured emotions on you. You poured emotions on him back. By the way, I'm going downstairs for a second. Um, yeah, it was it was that's fascinating. You know, I actually hadn't even noticed that it, it could go that way, but that is exactly how it goes. You know, you, like I said, you feeling, you know, one way he comes around and changes your feelings, and then you know you're like, okay, I don't want to stay there. I'm not. I'm not going to stay there. So um, uh, uh, hold on a second. Uh, you want to go down and uh, get the uh, party because I was about to go, but I'm on a call. Otherwise, I go down. It's fine. You let me know. All right, cool, cool. Um. Oh no. Well, no. I'm I'm actually coaching somebody. Now. The call is being recorded as I'm talking to you, but I'm gonna just go down and get it already now. It's all right. All right, cool. No. Okay, cool, cool. Oh, I, you know what? I like that. Yeah, I will take that. Thanks. I got you. Um, <laughs> you're talking about neighbor. Sorry about that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, one of them came out and was like, he's a little lower than me. I was like, okay, if you want to go and get him, that's fine. Otherwise, I'm going to just go because I want to get back to this conversation as soon as possible. So, so yeah, you, um, you know, you was you did what I was saying. You just didn't know that um, that's what you was doing. But that's exactly that's exactly how it worked, you know. So beautiful what you just shared. I love it. Um, how did they end up turning out? Um, it actually, um, turned out pretty good. Like it didn't escalate to, you know, to an argument, which, you know, which it could have because before I went downstairs, it was, you know, kind of a little exchange of like, I can't even remember what it was, but it probably could have been something like, you know, like you're tripping. Like, I don't believe you. And just like, but it was fine. It was fine. It was fine. But I do understand that had I, you know, got in my bag, you know, which a lot of the times I probably would have, we would have yeah. stayed there. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Good. You know, it's funny because we usually when I talk about this, I have to bring up two different – I don't have to, but I bring up two different movies. One is Driving Miss Daisy. Mm-hmm. You've seen that, right? Mm-hmm. And the other one is um, – a beautiful mind. And it's funny because both of them, the strongest emotion was love and lovingness. So in the case of driving Miss Daisy, Morgan Freeman had to chill out and stay chilled. And he, I don't even know how come he did it. He just did. No matter how dry, crazy Miss Daisy was acting, he was like cool, calm, and collected. It took her about 25 years to figure out his emotions are stronger than hers. She's going to surrender to his emotions. <laughs> you know what? It's so funny that you mention it because a friend of mine today um, had mentioned, he and I were just talking, and because actually I gave him your number too, so you might okay. get a call from him. Oh, stop. And um, he was <laughs> telling me about a situation where he was, it was during a snowstorm and he was trying to get down the street and this woman um, was, you know, kind of blocking the, the street where he couldn't get past. And he, you know, asked her if she could close the door or whatever. And 
he said she, you know, like cursed her out and cursed him out. And, you know, just said all types of foul things. And he said he just kind of sat in his truck. And when she was trying to dig a parking spot out, but as she was trying to get in, she got stuck. And she couldn't get in the parking spot or move the car at all. So he said he got out the car and he helped her. And she's like, um, why are you helping me after you after I just, you know, cursed you out like that? And he said, you know, just because you're having a bad day don't mean I have to, you know, have one too. Mm. And it was, so that was like, wow. So his emotions, you know, were, were greater than hers, mm-hmm. stronger. So, yeah, so I would have never helped her. But then I can't say that. You know, because, yes. I mean, who knows? I could have been, you know, in a place at that moment, like, uh, you know, let me help her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, women have a stronger, I'm not going to say you have stronger emotions. You all usually express it more outwardly. Um, it's possible that you have stronger emotions, but it's really more like you express your emotions differently. And so, you know, since y'all's emotions are outward and ours are inward, when you throw it outward, you you do it so much quicker and have so much more flexibility with your emotions that generally speaking, because men don't know what to do with y'all, we don't understand y'all, we just back off and end up surrendering to whatever it is that you're doing. You know, um, you know, to some degree, you know, for example, a player, uh, you know, a lady ladies man would know a little bit about how to deal with a woman so he can keep he can keep her from controlling him. It doesn't mean he can make the relationship work, though. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? He's just keeping right. her off his off his chops, and you know, keeping her out so he can still play with her. But other, but beyond that, it's not like he can make it be like, you know, Martin Luther King with Coretta. You know what I mean? He's not he's not he ain't at that level yet. So, but it's fascinating because, you know, y'all, if you if if every woman knew what we talk about here, um. I believe the world would be at peace because y'all would tell, tell the, the guys out there up there losing their damn minds because when they came home, they came home to you, you know, the one who knows how to manage the emotions. And so you'll be helping him manage the emotions even if you don't know that because that's one of the most important things for a guy is to come to an emotionally safe environment where he feels successful. And since women have the capacity to alter our thinking and acting with the way you interact with us, you know, you could take a, a maniac and turn him into, you know, uh, um, you know, a, a calm human being. It may not happen quick, but it, it could happen completely. You know, depending on the guy. You know, and then of course, then there's, then there's, you know, the smarter women who are like, listen, I'm not dealing with that kind of guy. I'm not. So I'm not saying go out there and like save the world with your emotions. But I'm right, saying if, but if women, if, if, but y'all have the y'all have the skill set to be able to do it, where we just feel stuff and then go, we want to go into a rage or. We feel stuff and we, we think about what we want to do, but not how our emotions influence other people because nobody does. Like, nobody does. This is not – this conversation here, I don't know I don't know if I ever heard this conversation really before I, I, I recognized it. You know, of course, I've seen it demonstrated between those two movies, and that's just some small examples. Right. But, um, you know, but, but managing the emotions of a situation, you know, is is amazing. And it really isn't about – you know, male, female, you know, like that. So I have, uh, I had a customer a few years ago, three sisters, they did beauty consulting and I helped them create a curriculum and they was about to do their, their uh, introduction. And uh, there was in a, you know, a major building in midtown Manhattan 
And the woman who worked at that particular building where they were going to do the intro, she didn't want me to be there at the, at the last second. She was worried that she might get in trouble, and if she came in trouble, and you see a guy up in his office because she worked for a, a beauty um, manufacturer, one of the top three, and um, across the street from Central Park, for crying out loud. Anyhow, she um, uh, she was so nervous about having me there uh, that she was like, he can't come up now, he can't come up now. And I'm like, I wish I knew this before. Duh. I was going to go up there and pretend to be you know, the, the, the person who was going to you know, handle the, the production, you know, get water, clean the tables, hand out the papers. I was going to do that because I wanted to, to be there to watch them in the middle of it so I could coach them when they'd done what they did right, what they did wrong, what they could do better the next time. That was my, my, my desire or my, my interest. And uh, I ended up standing like six hours outside of Manhattan, outside of the office, walking around Manhattan with nothing to do because I didn't know when it was going to be finished and I, I had no place else to go. It was like, that really sucked. But what was worse was that the one who worked there was like, on a scale of 1 to 10, about 160 in terms of nervousness, heightened awareness, heightened uptightness, starting to get angry, all that. And her sister, um, you know, the, uh, both of them was upset. One was at about 100 and one was about at 155. But the, her sister was at 160. So she was the one that was at 155. She was quit. She was like, I cannot believe it. she didn't say this, but I can see it in her face. I cannot believe as hang, as angry as I am and as frustrated as I am and as hot as I am, you still hotter than me. <laughs> it was kind of like that. Like you're gonna let this happen? You're gonna let him walk around for the next few hours? And she's worried about her job. And you know, I was like, okay, this is just an opportunity for me to coach them later, which I did. <laughs> But it cost me about six or seven hours hanging out in, around, in and around Central Park, you know. So, but but the person with the strongest emotions is in charge of the relationship for at least as long as they have the strongest emotions, you know. So that's uh, that's how that went down. That was uh, ugly, but that was that. And then when you look at um, what's the next the other movie, uh, um, uh, A Beautiful Mind, that um, you know, no matter how painful she had it with him. Because you know he was you know losing his mind, he almost he almost uh, you know had the baby drown, you know all of this stuff, right? She still remembered that she wanted to love him, and she still remembered that she was being loving. So she kept managing managing her emotions. If she did not, he wouldn't have survived. You know, and for me, the last the biggest part of the whole movie was when she when when he went to to school for the first time. You you, you didn't see the movie, right? No, I don't. I don't remember if I did. I don't remember okay. if I did. So, so the beautiful mind is the guy. It was a, I remember. A of, I know of the of the movie, yeah. but I can't recall if I've seen. Okay, all right. So in the movie, there was this one scene where, um, after twenty years of marriage, child in college, you know, he, you know, being schizophrenic, he, um went back to Princeton University. That's where he went to cold school at. And, you know, she was like, okay, maybe you could get out the house once in a while. So he did. He got out the house, and um, he went to school. He talked to his buddy, and the first thing he said was, you know, uh, you know, I need to be here. You know, you tell me where I can go. So the guy said, listen, uh, you know, he gave him an office. The office really was a corner of the of the library. So he sat in the library. And that first day, he had a a, a, a psychotic episode. First day. And he's on, and it was public, so he's on campus and he's screaming at his own identities, but but he's looking insane to everybody. The kids are laughing at him and like wonder what's going on. 
And he was so embarrassed and hurt that he went home and he sat down. And back in the days, this was in the 1950s now, in those days when you had an episode like that, they would mm-hmm. take you to, you know, the hospital and they the would power. electrocute you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they would give you the electric shock treatment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and he was I like, I don't want to. Say it again? I, I think I did see that. Yeah. So he came home that day and he said, you know, I, I don't think I'm going to be able to make this. I, I, maybe you should send me back to the, to the, to the hospital because I, I can't, I, I don't know how to do this. And he's sitting at this table, and he's so dejected. He's so defeated. And she sits there, she looks at him, and then she reaches out her hand. And she takes his hand, and she says, let's try again tomorrow. And I got to tell you, every time I see that, I don't want to cry, because the only reason why she does that is because she loves him. It ain't sex, because they've been married 20-something years. They're both gray, so they ain't even as cute as they used to be. You know, it's like there's no other reason for her to do that except for she just loves him because she just loves him, because she just loves him. And her emotions were stronger than his. He was in the ground as far as he was concerned. He was in the ground. But for her, she was like, I can't let him go there. I love him too much. And so her emotions ended up having him survive and then thrive and then eventually end up getting a Nobel Prize for, for mathematics. It's awesome. That move, that scene right there, that's the most romantic, most loving scene I've ever seen in life because she saved his life with that one move. Mm-hmm. He was a math teacher. Hmm? Was yeah, he a math he's a, teacher? He's a, he's a math, yeah, he's a math teacher. And mm-hmm. um, and they won Academy Award Best Picture with that. Yeah, I think I did see that one. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was it's so inspiring. I mean, he was, sometimes I think about it, I get a little misty-eyed because it's like, how much love does it take for somebody to be that way with you when they know you've lost your mind, when they can't even, can't even have sex the way she wanted to because the pills he was taking to keep from losing his mind was killing his sex drive? It's like, how she can put up with that? I know, I don't think I can put up with that. I can put up with a lot of stuff. That's not one of them. I don't think I can do that, you know? But she could because she kept choosing it, and she said that earlier in the movie. So she was choosing to manage her emotions the whole time. Awesome. And so that's what this whole session is about, learning how to manage your emotions. So, so, um, so yeah, because if you can't manage emotions, you can't imagine a relationship. Cause the, I'll, I'll explain to you the next piece. So now I'm going to go into emotional currency. The way to take care of your relationships is to be responsible for the memories that exist in a relationship. Those memories make up what are referred to as emotional currency. Each memory brings a certain quality of life to the relationship depending on the quality of the memory. Romantic memories provide romantic emotional currency, but they can also provide intimacy, vulnerability, and friendship. Conversely, angry outbursts create memories of fear, invalidation, lack of respect, and domination. Most people won't remember what you said or what you did, but they always remember how you made them feel. Each incident creates a certain quality of feeling and either adds to or subtracts from the desired emotional state of a relationship. Given this reality, it would make sense that creating great memories would be a wise thing to do. Most people know this unconsciously. They do something messed up or blow their stack and turn around and do something special for the person who they blew up on 
to try and make up for the emotional explosion that happened a short time ago. Unfortunately, they don't know that it's often too little too late. The time to do, quote, unquote, nice things was before the explosion, not after. With enough memories of lovingness, mercy, forgiveness, generosity, and other expressions of love and affinity, relationships can withstand many strongly negative incidences without a scratch and a few of the worst kinds of incidences, such as infidelity or criminal activity. That's not to say any relationship can survive those things, but with enough love and enough emotional currency in in a relationship's emotional bank account or memory bank, relationships can withstand almost anything. One last thing. One bad incident can remove the impact of dozens of happy memories. So you don't want to have too many of those types of incidences happening in your relationships. It's like putting $1 in but taking $200 out. Your emotional bank account can only take so many withdrawals. So, you know, you managing your conversation with your, with your guy about, you know, the, 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 what, what was that you was talking about again, about the uh, security of people yeah. coming in or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. you managing that took away the possibility or reduced the, the likelihood of him damaging the relationship with his emotional outburst because he had a slight emotional outburst. So um, the next thing I want to talk about with a relationship, which is one of the biggest things, is happiness. You're responsible for your own happiness and self-esteem. No one can do this for you. If you put uh, if you put this on your partner, overburdening them, giving your power away, and sabotaging the relationship. So now I want to talk about what gets in the way of your own happiness and the happiness of the relationship. And what gets in the way is your emotional triggers, your emotional reactions. So we're going to talk about it, the, the negative reactions. So recognizing what triggers you is essential to managing the emotional environment or the culture of the relationships you're involved with. Having said that, it would be wise to recognize what has you become unglued in the midst of dealing with people. Some of us get triggered by unfairness. Some of us by being accused or abandoned. Some of us hate to not be acknowledged, and some of us will fight for their freedom even if there's no freedom not at stake. Some of us are paranoid, some of us are critical, or critical of others who are critical. Whatever triggers you is an obstacle to being someone who can manage the emotions. Emotions do not manage themselves, but they can manage you. That's because feelings are terrific servants, but terrible masters. If you know how to manage your feelings, you can, you can create wonders. I mean, that's what Martin Luther King had to do. He had to manage his emotions in the face of people calling him cool nigger and punching him in the face. But terrible, but, ter- but feelings are terrible masters. So if you do what you feel like doing, you just follow your feelings, you're going to be in jail, you're going to be dead, you're going to be under a car, you're going to be doing all kind of crazy shit because you're going to be feeling good about how you express yourself, but then the consequences is torture. So now, one of the things about the, the, the negative emotions I'm about, to, the negative reactions that I'm going to tell you about, is I got a list of 15 of the top negative reactions that people have to things. And the thing that, you know, I want you to really get is that um, most people know what triggers most of the people around them, but almost nobody knows what triggers them. They just get triggered. They're so shocked 
that they got shocked, that they got annoyed, that they just react. And then they wonder why later on nobody likes them or nobody gives them a hard time or they don't have the friends or the results that they want to have in their life. You know, they had a reaction, didn't check themselves, and then they wonder why things ain't going right, right? So I want to read you the top negative reactions of humans. There's 15 of them. You ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. Aggression. I don't got them in alphabetical order. This is not this is the only order it's in because they show up in groups sometimes. Like, you know, you'll feel three or four at the same time. <laughs> You know, okay. and so, you know, like, so, like, you'll be careful to talk to your guy, um, you know, about, about life because, you know, you can see, oh, if I say this, he's going to get triggered this way, right? But he's saying the same thing about you, and you don't know what it is because when you get triggered, you're so surprised that you got triggered. If you don't even notice you got triggered, you just act on the trigger. Does that communicate? Yeah. Because I think that's, that's what brought us to where he and I are now. I got it. <laughs> that's yeah. why when you was first talking to me about, you know, getting some support, I was thinking, yeah, you're going to want to hear this part. So it's perfect. So I'm going to read you the list of the different ones real quick, and then I'll go through them separately. So there's aggression, anger, apathy, arguing, bullying, criticism, dismay, Distancing, fear, frustration, impatience, indignation, being outsmarted, pessimism, stubbornness. Those are the top negative emotions that humans do treat with each other and onto and the environment. And what happens is you don't consciously say to yourself very often, I'm going to get angry. No, you just get angry. Angry has you. You're out of control at that point. You know, when people get angry without knowing that they get angry, there's no difference between them at, say, 75 years old than when they was an infant that got angry because their mother took too long to change their diaper. It's the same immaturity, same thing, anger. Aggression, you know, being hostile towards other people, especially if you don't say consciously you're going to do this, and it really, I don't think most and most people, they may get aggressive when they play in sports, you know what I mean, because I want the ball, we want to win, like that. But even then, it's like um, res- being responsible for your aggression because, yeah, I don't, I want to tackle this guy from, from the football or I'm going to make sure that he can't hit this pitch. But it's still inside of competition, and in, that, in those situations, it's still like there's a level of respect that y'all are equal, fairly equal on the, on the, on the field. But mm-hmm. normally, people will be aggressive as a reaction, not as an intention. You know, when people get apathetic, it's mm-hmm. not, apathy is not something people choose. It's like, you know, all there's left is for me to not give a fuck. Really, right. it's like what apathy is. You know, it's like, okay, I'm done. It's mm-hmm. a decision, but your emotions controlled you to take you to that point. You know what I mean? So, like, you know, when you're with your, your, your guy, one of y'all say, oh, I don't give a crap anymore. That was a reaction. That was not an intention. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got plenty of evidence to prove it, but it still was just an intention. I mean, it still was a reaction. Yeah. And you gave in to your feelings. You know, and that's why I say the person with the strongest emotions is in charge of the relationship for at least as long as they have the strongest emotions. Because you can either react a certain way or you could choose another way. And the choosing of another way to feel 
is actually more powerful than the reaction because you don't even know you have a reaction. You just reacted. You're not conscious when you have those reactions. But a person who chooses to be powerful is actually conscious, and so they actually have a chance to be more powerful in the situation. And usually if somebody's going to be conscious in that situation, they're probably going to be more responsible and take care of their relationship because that's the only reason why they would wake up and be conscious in the first place about their feelings. You know, so um, people, when they argue, arguing is a reaction. Arguing, unless it's a debate that's intended, you know, the presidential debates or, you know, the student body debates, unless it's that, arguing is just reaction. There's no conscious thing in there. Now, people could debate. They could disagree in an agreeable manner. But if they're disagreeing in a disagreeable manner, anger is involved and some other stuff is going on in there. And so they're reacting. That's not conscious. It's not like you know what, I'm just going to do this. And if somebody does that because they got feelings somewhere else, some other re- reactions underneath their decision, I want to argue with this person, I'm going to put them in a checkup plate, whatever they're going to do. So arguing is another space of an automatic reaction. Bullying. The only reason why people bully is because they, they feel like that's the only reason why, only way they can feel better about themselves. You know, it's like if people are laying on their deathbed, you know what they want, they're thinking about? How much they loved, how much people loved them, did their life matter? They don't think about how many people they forced to do stuff. It's not a reaction. That's not a thought that they have. It's not one of the things they, if they look and saw that their life was about bullying, they'll be crying and then mourning over how they, about how ashamed they were for being that way. Right. They just will on their deathbed. While they're walking around in the meantime, they feel justified in what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But at that point, they're getting close to the end. They're like, oh, man, damn, I could have been better at that. Because that they wasn't born to be that way, you know what I mean? And, you know, I've been around a couple of folks that was on their deathbed, like my mom, for example, you know? And, like, she she wasn't that type of person, but, you know, I could see she had regrets. You know, and then after talking with my dad, I understand why some of the regrets she had had, um, you know, later on in life. But um, she wasn't a bullier. Um, you know, she had her own stuff. But, but um, you know, when you're laying on your deathbed, you want to look at, you're going to look back in your life and wonder if you had the best life you could probably have, not from the things that you got or had, but from who you were being, you know what I mean? So, um, and, and some folks, they're not, they, they realize that they're not, and then they get more dismayed, more crushed, more angry, because they're like, shit, I can't even do nothing about it now, and so they just go further down the tunnel. But when you actually know how to manage your emotions, it's a whole other world. You know, even if you had a failure of life, you was a homeless person, at least you were loving and you were generous with people. Yeah, you didn't accomplish nothing you really wanted to do, but, but then again, you don't know what spirit had for you. You don't know if you were supposed to be demonstrating that, be, you know, through being homeless. Who, who knows? I mean, I don't know. I, I'm not going to be saying I'm smart enough to know that one, you know. Anyhow, uh, bullying is a reaction. It's not a conscious decision unless it's a conscious decision as a reaction to a previous reaction. You know what I mean? You with me? Yeah. Which oh, okay. Yeah. What's going on over there? Because it seems like you're you're having a lot of thoughts or something. What's what's going on? Yeah, I'm, like, I'm really I'm really engaged in what you're saying to me. Okay. Yeah, you know, I'm just kind of like thinking about the situation that and I went through, and mm. yeah, and it's just like wow, like. You know, and I'm wondering, like, when you made the statement about, you know, sometimes, like, like the actions may, you know, put, um, you know, can, you know, kind of destroy a relationship. You know, even though it was a lot of good times, like that one blow up, and if I'm not mistaken, I think I I heard him 
say, you know, like it, like my reaction, you know, was, it was, I guess like it had some fear in it. I mean, Mm. I didn't lay hands, throw stuff or anything like that. And I don't know what my facial expressions look like. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's how he felt. And I know I, you know, and I felt, you know, as if, um, you know, I was kind of like attacked or like I couldn't express how I felt, you know, at Mm -hmm. that moment. So, um, yeah, but I'm listening. I'm paying attention. I'm I'm taking it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could, I could feel, you know, you was in a certain place. So I just want to check in. You know what I mean? I want to be responsible mm-hmm. for how this is going for you. So, all right. So I, th- I talked about criticism. You know, uh, people who criticize, which is different from, you know, I want to analyze what's going on and and let me inspect where you're at. You know, like I was on a, in the men's team and we would criticize each other, but it was it was a criticize to improve. We had a term called steel sharp and steel, and so yeah, we wouldn't let you get away with crap. But at the same time, the only reason why we wouldn't let you get away with crap is because we believed in you so strongly that, you know, me letting you get away with crap and letting you be sloppy was like um, selling you out. And so we respected each other. We had no problem with getting in each other's face about stuff, you know, because we knew that, that if I don't do it, nobody else will, and then you're going to fail, right? And so criticism, you know, if it's done intentionally with love behind it, then, you know, it's not a reaction, it's a response, it's a choice. But usually when people go into criticism mode, like you see them trolling on Facebook, that's a reaction. They're not even conscious. You have to wait until they finish criticizing before you can actually talk to the real human being instead of the machinery, you know what I mean? So, you know, there's criticism, then there's dismay. That's to be disheartened. You know, it's like being thoroughly crushed emotionally. That's a reaction. People don't say, Hmm, out of all the reactions I could be having, out of all, all the feelings I could feel, how about if I feel discouraged, disheartened? How about if I just, like, give up on life? No, that's something that happens to you. People <laughs> don't think that, not intentionally. You know, distance, to treat coldly or in an unfriendly manner, to put a wall between you and other people, that's a reaction. You know, like, you can make that choice after having a conversation and seeing, you know what? it ain't going to work for me to be around you this kind of way. So I'm just going to, like, take myself away. But that would be a decision, not a reaction. Because if you make that kind of a decision and then that person that you decided to take yourself away from suddenly becomes a lot more open, a lot more easy to be with, then because you made a conscious decision, you could also all of a sudden make a conscious decision to say, you know what, this person is now safe for me to be around. Okay, now I can have a conversation with him. But if you just do it out of reaction, there's no recourse unless you wake up. Because you, otherwise you'll have all this evidence for why you should go that way. You know what I mean? Right. Um, fear. So fear is built into us. You know, and really we only have two fears that are built into us, sudden noises and the fear of falling. Otherwise, you, you know, no, I don't know if you know, but babies don't fear almost nothing. And, you know, there's some babies that fear, you know, the wrong face. You know, but they kind of start learning that after a while. It's not built into every child. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's every human being. But, you know, we usually have fear instinctively, quickly, instantly. You know, it's like, it's not like, oh, I'm going to decide to be fearful. No. <laughs> Nobody decides fear is the best way to go about this. Ain't a human on the planet. I don't think there's a creature on the planet that, that decides, I think the best thing for me to do is to be, to be fearful. To be careful might be a decision, 
that might even come out of, you know, your concern for, for, for safety and security, right, your fear-driven, you know, mindset. But fear is not a choice. <laughs> we right. don't choose it. We don't even like it. So we wouldn't, you know, like that, right? So, um, so that's that. And then frustration, you know, to, to uh, be stopped. Frustration is when you get stopped from doing something you want to do or stopped from, from stopping doing something that you don't want to do. You know, and so, so when people get frustrated, it's just not something that people think. Um, it's just not something that people think about. Oh, you know, I think today I'm going to be frustrated. You just, you just don't. It's a reaction. It's a trigger. There's a concept out there that's been around five or six thousand years called monkey mind, and monkey mind is uh, what the Buddhist has recognized as the way the brain jumps around like a monkey, and uh, it's out of control. And if you can control yourself from having those particular reactions, then um, and this was this is slightly different, but not that much. Um, if you could keep yourself from going in those directions, you could actually be responsible and a conscious most of the time. Most of the time, we're not conscious, you know. So uh, because we have these reactions, these reactions are proof you're unconscious. It just is because you wouldn't choose these if you knew that you really want to have a good time or you want to be happy or you want to get along with people. Impatience. Um, you know, people get impatient. They don't say, hmm, you know, I'm going to decide to be impatient. I remember, for example, for myself, uh, if I was, like, a little worried about going somewhere, I would choose something else. What I would choose personally was I would be like, okay, um, I expect this bus to come in about 10 minutes, but I'm going to give myself about 20 minutes before I even start worrying about it very much. I call that emotional budgeting. Well, I always make, I would, like, I can't worry. I don't want to worry about something until it's time to worry. And so I would say to myself, well, I'm going to give myself 20 minutes. So if the bus comes five minutes or six minutes later, it's still less than the 10 minutes I gave it permission to be late in my own mind, and I could chill out if the bus comes later but still not at my time limit. Mm-hmm. And it made me a lot easier waiting for buses and trains and waiting for people to call me and stuff like that. Um, it would prevent me from getting impatient if they didn't. That was a conscious decision. Um, another one is indignant, being in uh, indignation, you know, being uh, considered uh, unjust, uh, uh, offensive, insulting, you know, um, a righteous anger. It could be, you know, usually when people feel indignant, they feel um, somebody's been um, undignified with them, the, 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 the reaction, what they normally act on would be some kind of anger, frustration, criticism, arguments. That's why I said in the beginning that these things kind of blend together. They're not independent. <laughs> you know, you, so, 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 so let me ask you a question. Yes. Um, and it's been bothering me. Um, so, and just because mm-hmm. we're talking, because we're on this topic. Yes. He, now, with the whole Comcast situation with the technician, it's mm-hmm. like, and I really could have gotten annoyed because it's like he's frustrated about not knowing, but then I was annoyed that he never really took the, the time to find out. Like, we've been living together for the last, <laughs> what, seven years? And yeah. and my point, you know, to a lot of my frustration is that I need you to be more involved. Like, why don't you know? Mm. Like, if you you know, like, did your part pretty much, you know, these are the things that you're supposed to know. 
But those are, those were my thoughts, but I dared not say it because that's not why I didn't want that argument or, you know, it was, yeah, but I, I thought it. Yeah, well, that's fine. See, see, you didn't let your emotions take you over. See, you can't really stop the emotions. What you could do is choose something else after you have your, your, your reaction. Your reaction is your reaction. But what you do with that reaction or not do with that reaction is two different things. So you feel anger, right? You know, it's like it's instant. It's, it's instinctive. It's a reaction, right? You, your life is built such that something happens, you're going to get pissed off at that thing that happened, right? But now, are you, how long are you going to stay angry is the question. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to do things to prevent it from happening again? Are you going to have a philosophical conversation so you and your partner are on the same page? You know, are you going to remove the possibility of that trigger happening again? Are you going to just accept it because it ain't as big as a deal as you want it to be? Like, what conscious decision are you going to make that's going to have it be that your relationship goes smooth, smoother than it ever had been before, and you can keep love present and conscious as long as possible? You get to say that. It's, you're not ruled by your emotions unless you lay down to your emotions, to your reactions. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying don't get indignant, don't get angry, don't get critical. I'm saying how long are you going to stay that way and how much do you want it to affect the relationship? Because, you know, you can change your, your heart. You can change that in a heartbeat. Ugh, I hate that. Okay, I don't want to hate that. <laughs> you know, like now you right. bring yourself back. What would be more productive? Because if you're looking at relationships, the best way to look at relationships really to be effective is long term. How is what this got finished? How is how am I feeling now going to make me happy in this relationship better? Yeah, you could be like, what the fuck are you doing that for? You better not do that again. That would be bullying and criticism and arguing all at the same time, right? Or you could be like, <clears throat> okay, he doesn't understand how much I need him to know stuff and he's not paying attention. So let's be have a conversation with him about how do I get him to start paying more attention to me and how important it is. And have it so that he's inspired to want to do that. Like, he gets to win by doing that with me. That would be two different conversations. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It would be a conscious conversation, a conscious action, or an unconscious reaction. When you're reacting, you're not there. And here's the funny part about that. When you're having a reaction, you think that you're conscious, but you don't recognize that you're not conscious. Do you know why? Why? Because the same voice that talks consciously is the same voice that talks unconsciously. There's a different part of your brain operating when you're being triggered versus when you're being conscious. But you can't tell because the voice in your head sounds the same. Mm -hmm. But there's a different part of you that's being activated now or being engaged right now. And you you, you think both of you is you. No. The loving part is the conscious human being. The reaction is the machine. Machine don't even need a human being to really be there, well, kind of, in order to breathe and walk around. But otherwise, the machine pretty much operates on its own. So you're going to have your reaction, but, like, how long are you going to have your reaction is the question. A second, an hour, a year, a lifetime, you get to say, you know, but then again, you know, what you're really saying is, I'm going to let my, my unconscious machinery bully me in my life so I can be unhappy. It's what you really may say when you're not managing your, your, your emotions. You're not managing your, 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 to be conscious. You know what I mean? Right. Now, um, so I've got three more I'm going to talk about. <laughs> this is painful, but it's useful. I mean, if you don't have this, then you don't know how to maintain, you know, peace and love in the relationship because 
if y'all have enough things that trigger each other and you don't be responsible, the triggers will kill the relationship if nothing else does. So um, the last three key reactions are being outsmarted, to allow someone to get the better of you or outwit you or outwit oneself. Man, people, some people are like, nah, man, that ain't going to happen. I got to get this motherfucker back. You know, like they really get pissed off at, you know, somebody being smarter than them. So they might want to put, put them in check. They may want to, you know, set them up to fail. I mean, that's part of politics, you know, but not, not necessarily the biggest part of politics, but it's up in there, you know. Or you're talking to somebody that don't like the fact that you think you're a smarty pants, right? And so they want to put you in check so you can shut the hell up or whatever. You know, um, you know, just that that's a trigger for revenge, you know, hating to be outsmarted. So you don't need to get somebody else back. And then the last piece is being pessimistic. This is like a different way of surrendering. Um, yeah, it's just like you you have a negative view of yourself, of other people, of life in general. You start from negativity. and But life is not negative. When you look at all of life, you know, look at life here, and then you get a glimpse of life outside of the planet, outside of the planet, and you see the harmony which you know the universe is, is created. It can't. You can be pessimistic, but you're wasting your time because life is living and life is great. I mean, I know it must have took a lot more time. Well, I'm going to say it must have been a lot more challenging for God to create humans than to create the planet and the solar system that humans exist inside of. You know what I mean? We're complicated, but we ain't as complicated as the solar system. You know what I mean? So, so you know, being pessimistic and is, is you know, is a, one way of looking at life, but it won't make you happy. It's actually going to get in the way of happy and happy. And pessimism is a reaction. It's not like, you know what? Hmm, today I think I'm going to be pessimistic. Nobody says that. They are, they're already pessimistic. It happens. Or they have a belief system and a mindset and a model of the world that when something happens, <clears throat> something went against that model, now I'm going to be pessimistic or whatever. So um, the last one I'm going to give you is being stubborn. There's no need to be stubborn. I mean, it's just it's just no need to be stubborn, but people be stubborn all the time because they have it as, you know, how they are. Um, they don't even realize that they, they just reacted into being stubborn because they want to protect their needs or they don't understand or they don't trust, you know, so you got all of this stuff happening that had them get and stay stubborn, um, you know, it's just refusing to cooperate, refusing Hi. to, yes, hello? Hi, I don't know what happened. <laughs> so, oh, okay. What's the last thing you heard me say? Uh, hmm. Well, good no. thing I got it recorded. Well, I was talking <laughs> about, pes- did you hear me talk about pessimism, being pessimistic? No, nope. Okay, did you hear me talk about being outsmarted? Nope. Okay, you heard me talk about being in, in, um, in, indignant, right? So, yeah. Okay, great. All right. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to repeat what I just said about those three things, but um, know that I, it should be on the recording unless, like, I got blocked out. I don't, I don't see how because I didn't do anything one way or the other. But All right, so well, being my out whole, small, My phone just shut off completely. Oh, uh, okay, gotcha. Okay, great. So I'll, I'll go over it quickly, and then it's on the recording, so I don't want you, when you listen to it, you don't need it hear it twice, you know what I mean, Uh, in depth. But, um, you know, people get indignant. They felt insulted or they felt like something was unjust. And and so they have a a reaction to that by being, you know, um, um, upset. 
you know, like, how dare you, or, or you know, who do you think you are, and like, like that kind of a way. And that's a reaction. It's not a conscious decision. It's not like, huh, I want to see who today can I be, you know, indignant with, or who's gonna, who's gonna make me feel justified in being uh, righteous today. Mm, okay. Let's see, because that doesn't help any relationship. Not one. Not an employee. Not a friend. Not, not a wife. Not a child. No relationship does that help. Zero. Um, the next one is being outsmarted. Some people just hate to be outsmarted or have somebody talk to them where they're being, uh, where the person thinks that they're smarter than you are. So mm-hmm. It's the people that get, like, so pissed off that they will fight to the death almost. They will argue until, until somebody falls asleep because they are not going to get outsmarted, who you think you are, right? And right. being outsmarted includes indignation. So as you heard me saying before, these things are not in a in a uh, island, you know, on their on, on, on in a silo by themselves. They come in waves. You get like three, four, five of these all at the same time. <laughs> you know, you know, you get angry, you criticize, and then they they start giving you back, and then you want to be the next thing stubborn, which is the last thing on the list because it's alphabetically last. But um, yeah, it's like all of this stuff comes together, and you thinking that it's you, you you thinking that you know you're right, just right about this. But you don't realize that you're unconscious. You're not awake. You know you don't know what the heck is going on. You're just doing whatever you're doing. You're doing whatever your feelings tell you to do. Which is why I often say, feelings are terrific servants when they serve you. Terrible masters when you're their servant. You know, people who who allow their feelings to to uh, serve them, uh, allow, you know, is one thing. People who allow their feelings to master them, they got a different kind of life. Um, yeah. So um um. Pessimism. You know, people don't normally think uh, they want to just look out, look out, and, and, and anticipate or emphasize just the bad. You know, they do that because they want to protect themselves. They do that because they don't realize how you know uh, things are in life. They don't know how how great our creation is, our world is. You know, like whatever the Creator had to go through in order for us to feel the way we feel is a massive a massive design. Um, you know, because I, I, you know, I said it already. I'll just say it again, real quick, because it's on the recording. The, um, you know, it, it took a lot more for the creator to create the universe, or just the solar system that we're in, than it did to create human beings. Because, you know, there's just so much we can do, but there's so many things that had to come in for us to survive on this planet. It ain't even funny. And then mm-hmm. to have the planets in the solar system, be able to have the, the Earth in the same, in the right environment, man. <laughs> There's a lot of things God had to do to make it, make it a blessing for us. So if we're walking around being pessimistic, we just don't recognize the blessing that we have in front of us, you know. And then last is stubborn. You know, somebody being uh, where they refuse to cooperate, they refuse to get along, you know, that's, um, uh, you know, something that doesn't work, like totally doesn't work. Um, and Because you can get along with anybody. You can cooperate. You can, you can even, how can I say, you can even, um, disagree without being ugly about disagreeing. Right. You know what I'm saying? So that's um, uh, the last of the top negative reactions of humans. And again, they come in groups. They almost never come by themselves. <laughs> and we don't know it. And I don't know if I, you heard me say this when uh, before you went, uh, your, your phone blacked out. But um, I think I said it, but I think you heard this, but we think we don't realize when we're being unconscious because the voice in our head when we're conscious and the voice in our head when we're not conscious is the exact same voice. Right. So we so we think we're still conscious because we can hear ourselves think. 
But really what happened is we received a thought and then we acted on that thought as if it was the truth, you know what I mean? So um, anyhow, so that's that. So now I'm going to go into part two. Now that you understand, you know, the negative aspects of emotions, now I'm going to talk about um, the one thing that we all want to do more than anything else is how to be happy no matter what. So I want to talk about what's it going to take for you to be happy no matter what in a relationship. And uh, this will be a short conversation. Believe it or not, we're not going to be on here very much longer. But uh, so I'm going to ask you, what's it going to take for you to be happy no matter what in your relationship? Security. Okay. So if you have security, that's enough? Um, that's um that's the top of my list. Okay, got it. Yeah. <laughs> Spoken like a true woman. God bless you. I got it, right. So you anything else? <laughs> well, because that's I know that's the the number one need, desire for a woman is to feel safe and secure. Mm. For a man, it's success. You need to be winning, you know. You have to be. We can't handle not winning. It's like throw. It's like we can throw it away. So, um, you know. So what? So is that? Is that all you need? All you need is safety and security. All you need is to be secure, right? No, I mean, I mean, you know, companionship, friendship, um, uh, love. Um, I mean, and I guess you know, but the same the same thing on like my must have list. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think from the, yeah security because I don't think I've ever had that. And I think I have it. I've never had it. Hmm. Well, I tell you what, I got that. I'm going to tell you something slightly different. I know that's your highest need, but that's not the thing that's going to make you happiest. Okay. Like oxygen doesn't make you happy. But you need that more than anything else on this planet. You know what I mean? Make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's three things that are gonna what you need. There's three things it's going to take for you to be know how to be happy no matter what in a relationship. One, love others a hundred percent just because with no expectation or need for anything in return. You just love them. You'll be happy because that you you know that it works because you've seen it work with children. Granted, grown ups are a lot more challenging. They get unconscious. They do stupid stuff. You know you don't feel safe and secure around them. But that still doesn't mean that you you could. It's impossible for you to love them. Anyhow, now and particularly in your relationship with your with your partner, you can love him no matter what because you understand him well enough to be able to start predicting and and um. um you can start predicting how you're going to react and start putting things in place to keep yourself from reacting so you can eliminate the reactions. And I'll give you a couple examples of what I mean by that in a minute or two. Um, But love him 100% just because with no expectations of love in return, no need for anything in return. Just love him to, to be loving him. That's the first thing. The second thing is to understand people at the level of principle. The principles people align themselves with tells you what dictates their behavior and allows you to recognize who they are. So that list I gave you, you know, a few weeks ago with, uh, with different principles, appreciation, 
confidence, all of that stuff, mm-hmm. you want to recognize what his principles are. You don't have to tell him. You don't have to ask him. Just watch him and start calculating it, and then so you so you get it tight. Because that's how you're going to know who he is. You, you already know who he is. You've been around for a while. But it would be good to know it this way because then you can start using those principles in new ways. One, to make the relationship better. Two, to help make him better. Three, to get what you want more out of the relationship because you're using the principles he already lives from in order to take new actions that will have him move in new ways because it's, it's consistent with who he is and what he's committed to. Make sense? Right. That's the absolute sense. Excuse me? That's the absolute sense. Yeah. By the way, I never said that before. So, you know, congratulations. You're the first one. I actually didn't get that until I just said it to you. <laughs> wow. I got to listen to this recording so I can write that down again. Okay. And then um, the third thing is to choose to be happy no matter what. And choosing to be happy no matter what prior to whatever you're doing or about to do. So you wake up in the morning. You'd be like, you know what? I'm just going to be happy no matter what. That would be choosing to be happy before anything else happens. So later on, you can remind yourself, oh, yeah, even though that sucks, I did say I want to be happy today. And then you can choose a conscious thing to go over, you know, to deal with. Mm-hmm. You know, and, uh, and, and by the way, sometimes do pretty yeah. good with that. I, I, I'm experiencing a, a situation right now where uh, I can't find one of my designer pocketbooks, mm. and I looked for the last few days, and then you know I just said to myself, you know what, um, you like not chalk it up as a loss, but I'm I'm not gonna, you know, spill all my emotions into it where I'm just like, you know going crazy over, you know, trying to figure it out. Did somebody take it? Did I misplace it or, you know, whatever. You know, so I'm mm-hmm. I'm, I, I'm I'm not okay with it, but I'm dealing with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you and you choose it. You're, like, responding because there's a difference between a response yeah. and a reaction. Your yeah. response is, okay, I'm choosing to do this. This um, Here's what I'm doing. That would be a, a choice, you know, uh, or at least a decision. And a decision is when you you feel like there's no, no other choice you have except for to do that thing. That would be a, a decision. And the choice is, out of all the things I could do, uh, I'm going to do this because I really want to and I like it and, and that's the end of that, you know. So, yeah, and um, I didn't want to be frustrated and just, you right. know, get my pressure up and it's like, right. okay, it's, it's material thing. Yep. And it's funny because, you know, people talk about, you know, I want to be enlightened and I want to do all of this stuff, right? This is where it happens, I mean, in reality. You know, this is like I'm choosing to be a certain way because I'm choosing to be a certain way. You know, I don't want my, I don't want to sabotage my relationship, so what do I need to do? You know, people are consciously learning how to take care of themselves. It's not like being able to, like, walk on water and all that other stuff. It's like, you know, how do I, how do I maintain the me that I always wanted to be? as long and as, as often and as, and as uh, far-reaching as possible, you know. And so it's, it's really fairly simple, you know. Um, but anyhow, so that's what it's going to take for you to be happy no matter what in your relationship. Love him 100% just because. Don't even look for any love in return. The minute you do that, you're going to have some reaction because it's, there's going to be some times where it's not going to happen. <laughs> so right. you'll have a reaction, then you'll make him feel more justified in that, right, and then it'll go like that, right. So don't worry about it one way or the other. He'll catch up eventually. If you ever forget that, just think about Morgan Freeman and driving Miss Daisy. And that should be enough. <laughs> and then understand who he really is. Understand the reactions that he has, 
the principles he lives his life by, how to use those principles in new ways, how to reduce or eliminate his need to react, all of that by understanding him at the level of principles. So you want to go back to session one, look at all the definitions of the words there, that's there, and, and, you know, see who he is and then go from there. And then choose happiness before you do anything else so that when stuff happens, you have that in the background, like, oh, yeah, I said I was going to be happy in spite of the fact that I got a flat tire in a snowstorm, right, like that. So um, it won't make you say happy, oh, yay, I got, you know, happy because, you know, I'm trying to be happy and I'm in a snowstorm and I got a flat. No, but at least you won't get triggered. You'll be able to consciously operate more more empoweringly. So um, last thing I want to say about this before I go into, um, you know, find out how where you're at around this and give you an assignment. Is the only reason to be happy in a relationship, excuse me, the only reason to be in a relationship is to be happy with someone who's happy with you. The only reason to be in a relationship is to be happy with someone who's happy with you, to be in love with someone who's in love with you. The only person we can be happy with no matter what is the person who knows how to be happy no matter what. The problem is if you're not a person who knows how to be happy no matter what, you won't be able to recognize whether a person is able to be happy no matter what because they choose to be happy no matter what. If you can't be it, you can't see it. So now the option is, the opportunity is for you to learn to practice how to be happy no matter what. And don't get me wrong. You know, there's going to be times you're going to be like, let me kill that motherfucker. Okay, now that I said that, what do I really want? <laughs> you know, it could be like snap of a finger. It could be. Or, you know, you can hang on to it for 10 years. It's up to you. You get to choose, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. As they say, as, as I've heard it said, um, growth is mandatory. Speed is optional. So <laughs> you could take your time, but if you want to be happy, I recommend, you you know, you get off it a lot quicker than that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So let me read that once again. The only reason to be happy in a excuse me, the only reason to be in a relationship is to be happy with someone who's happy with you. Said another way, the only reason to be in a relationship is to be in love with someone is to is to be loved by someone who loves you, and to be for you to be happy with someone who's happy with you. You know, so happy love. You know, you can use this word. You know, you can exchange them equally. It's the same difference. You know. So the only person we can be happy with no matter what is the person who knows how to be happy no matter what because they're not going to get in the way of your happiness no matter what. And they might do something that you don't like, but you choose to be unhappy because they did something you don't like. People are not going to be able to stop doing stuff you don't like. We, we, we may be built perfectly the way we are, but that doesn't mean we're not flawless. Doesn't mean we're flawless. We we have flaws, you know. Um, but we are designed the way we are. You know. Uh, you know. Let me go all the way in on that one. So, for example, a uh, a bicycle tire has eighteen spokes in the wheel, and whether it's got eighteen spokes or no spokes, it's perfectly a tire. But it may not be at perfect uh, performance because if it had less than eighteen spokes it's not going to perform perfectly or at least as much as it would with the 18 spokes. But a, but a tire that's got 18 spokes, 10 spokes, or two spokes is still perfectly a tire. 
Make sense? Yeah, tire is a tire, right? A flower is a flower. A human is a human. So just because it's not operating at at optimal performance does not make it less than perfect. It's still perfect. It's just, is its performance perfect? That would be where the floor is at, where there's room for improvement, upgrade. But they themselves are perfect. And so if you realize that, then you could be okay with, you could accept, you could, you know, uh, um, exonerate. You could let people be how they are in spite of the fact that they're not flawless because they are perfectly how they are. You know what I mean? So <clears throat> if you're not a person who knows how to be happy no matter what, you won't be able to recognize whether someone is able to be happy no matter what because they choose to be happy no matter what. Like they're consciously choosing to be happy. If you don't know how to do that, you won't be able to see anybody else know how to do that. And so that um, concludes our uh, session for tonight. So um, so now let me hear what you heard, what you got, because you know, this has been the most talent you've been a, of our session so far, and I think it's because every time I'm talking, like like, ex- like examples of what I've been saying was floating in your head. Is that right? Oh, definitely, definitely, because I know this is what we, you know, touched on, you know, when when we kind of did what, like, the intake. Yes. And, um, you know, and it kind of gave me, I think, you know, a better perspective as to what he was saying to me, but it's still, I still believe that my feelings were validated. Mm-hmm. Um. But then I'm still struggling with, you know, like a lot of, you know, like just with with our relationship, you know, at at, at this particular time. Like I'm really not sure, like, 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 like where we are. Um, now, okay, I, I told you that, you know, that we're we're not living in the same, you know, household, you know, right, right. now. It's been like almost four months. So um, I mentioned a couple times and maybe one time, you know, kind of maybe out of frustration or whatever, like, I don't know where where he's saying it. And Mm. he still has not, like, volunteered that information. And Mm. I'm, like, at a point now, like, where he's, like, where he comes here, you know, like, on the weekends. Now I'm kind of shying away from, like, even wanting him. I don't know where my feelings are, you know, in Mm -hmm. in this relationship anymore. Yep. Like how how are you in a relationship or supposedly and you don't share with your part like he's already had a change of address, you know mm-hmm. all those things. But and I don't know where he lays his head at at night. Well, there's clearly a lack of trust on his part around dealing with you. Um, so you know the impact of your emotional outburst in the past is where is I, I'm going to say is a large part of where he's at right this night. You know what I mean? Um, you know, because the emotional currency, all the great memories that y'all may have created got supplanted by your upsets. So I'm going to say that that's at least a part of it, if not all of it. Um, you know, like, that's what I'm present to right this minute. I don't know what else is going on with him. You know, I don't know if, you know, he's he's dealing something like the way you say. Uh, I will say, you know, on his side, I'm dealing with you, he doesn't understand how to keep you feeling safe and secure, which is the reason why you was upset. You know, uh, when I coach men around being around relationships, what I tell them is that they can relax in lots of different ways, but the one thing they cannot do is they cannot take their eyes off their woman. They can't because 
The minute you take your eyes off of her, she don't think you don't care. And then you're asleep at the wheel, so you can't see what's happening. You don't be able to react. You can't prevent them from happening. So they need us to watch them a thousand percent. Even when we sleep, they need to feel like we're watching them. You know what I mean? And so I told men that. And, and you know, the ones that get it end up having a happier relationship than the ones that don't. That don't. You know, so a lot of times women would be like, you don't pay enough attention to me. What she's saying is, I don't think that you're paying enough attention to make me feel safe and secure. It's not that I'm narcissistic and you should be loving me more. It's more like you're not keeping me safe and secure. How do I know How I know you don't need to take care of me if you ain't keeping your eyes on me? How are you going to know what's going wrong if you, don't, you ain't looking? You're over there asleep. You know what I mean? So, like, like, he doesn't understand that clearly from what you're telling me. And most men don't. You know what I mean? Like, who, whoever tells them. Even when women say it, they don't say it in a way that, that speaks to men's language. I'm not saying it in a way that he can understand it. Not translating. You know what I mean? But should I not be, I mean, because if the tables were turned, wouldn't that be one of the first questions he would ask or, or, or even want me to volunteer? Probably. The answer to? Probably. I'm going to say probably. You know, but what I want, well, you know, bottom line for me is, um, you know, I'm just telling you what I'm hearing. I don't know. I mean, until I talk to him, all I can tell you is what I what I just said because that's all I can tell about from, you know, all I can okay. determine from that. So, um, you know, without talking to him, I don't know what else is going on. But I'm clear, you know, when we first started talking, you know, you was telling me about, you know, how he gets frustrated with you pulling away and getting frustrated. You know, those are a whole bunch of emotional outbursts. And an emotional outburst is not just a screaming match. It's not just a yelling match. It could be, you know, um, an invalidation and, and, and a throwaway. I ain't talking to you now. Beat it. You know, I would say one emotional outburst hurts, excuse me, eliminates as much as, I don't know, 100 good moments. The impact is so much stronger because people don't want to feel negative. They want to feel loving and positive. But, you know, if you're going to keep being that way, and y'all been doing this for years, you might have some cleaning up to do with him. Maybe. I don't know. You have to determine that. And he'd need to say if it works or not for him to do that. And, you know, I could be off target. I don't think so, but I could be. And if I am, you know, let me know, and then I'll support you around doing something else about it, you know? Okay, now, like I said, with that, with that, like I do take ownership, and you know that I could, that I definitely could have handled the situation better in um, terms of how I reacted, you mm-hmm. know, to the situation. But my, my problem, you know, and I'm sure he has his own, is that he doesn't, you know, like he doesn't hear me, and I, and, and he doesn't, I always respect, you know boundaries in terms of like like I don't touch any of his stuff and he just feels as though I should never mention it or say anything to him about it and which I don't that part I don't understand like well if you you why I don't understand why why can't I and it's not in a way where I go ahead no I'm gonna say we're gonna cover that next week (laughs) next session what you talk about there boundaries agreements we're gonna cover that next session Okay. Because now you're talking about, you know, the, the operational aspects of your life, which when things don't work in a relationship, here's how it goes. When things don't go work in a relationship, we have an emotional reaction. You had a physical breakdown that turned into an emotional reaction. And then you go into communication, and usually you'll have miscommunication because 
men and women think so much differently that they're almost never on the same page. So now you've out of the five things I talked about, which is not knowing who you are, not understanding gender differences, not managing emotions, not knowing how to deal with breakdown, and not knowing how to not, not having miscommunication. The second, third, fourth, and fifth thing all happen at the same time when you have a breakdown. That's why it looks like relationships are so hard. But if you know how to keep the, the breakdown separate from everything else, uh, it's just a, it's just a structural issue. We got to make an agreement, or we need to buy this, or we need to make more money, or whatever. Then you can keep it in the area of structural needs, and then after then, go back to being loving <laughs> because it's the you know, I talked to you about the baby part of the relationship and the and the business part of the relationship. Anytime something in the business part of the relationship affects the emotions, it just made the baby scream, cry, and be upset. So that's why we're going to cover that next week. Maybe you don't even want to have a conversation with them until we have that conversation next week. Because, you know, you, you right now you're in an incomplete state, not like incomplete, but, you know, we covered the emotional part. Now, you know, it would take another hour and a half to cover the the operational side of the relationship, which is really what we're talking about here, what you just mentioned, like the boundaries, you know, so so there's the things that, that, that it's the boundary things, right? Then there's the agreement called boundaries. That's all a part of how to operate in a relationship. So we'll cover that next week. And, um, um, yeah, you, you, you'll, you'll get some relief around that too, I promise. I know that's an area where you're better at than this one we just covered. But I think you know you'll get some some uh, some awesome tools around it. You're gonna love next session, matter of fact. Cause yeah, you yeah, use an operations kind of get it kind of get it done kind of check. Yeah, you're gonna love next session. <laughs> I just realized because there's because there's a homework assignment in there. You're gonna love it. Your homework assignment is gonna last you a lifetime. I promise you. So remind me that I said that. But what's this homework assignment that's gonna last me a lifetime? You could you could challenge me. You could challenge me. I don't care. <laughs> What is this homework assignment this way? Challenge me for a lifetime. What is it? I need to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell me. Yeah, prove it to me. I'm a, you know, I don't care how you go about it. You're gonna when I when you finally get it, like, oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, promise. <coughs> you know, some folks might not say that, but you, somebody who needs to know stuff, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna want this one. So, all right. So here's your here's your assignment. You ready? Okay. Yep. And then, of course, I'm gonna send this to you tomorrow night. Uh, the latest. So your assignment is you're going to identify your top 10 emotional triggers. You could wait until I send this out to you, but, you know, you can think about it based on what happened here because your your reactions don't even necessarily have to be what I talked about. You could have – you can be present to some other reactions that you usually have. So whatever that is, I want you to identify your top 10 emotional actions uh, or reactions um, because, um, you know, y- you want to be able to tell – what triggers you? Because other people in your life could tell what triggers you. You just you can't tell what triggers you. That's how it is for humans in general. Fundamentally speaking, we don't know what, what triggers us. And so I'm going to give you an opportunity to figure that out for yourself. So, you know, how you could identify your top emotional triggers, it could be like a bunch of incidences that have had you upset in the past, you know, things that you've exploded over, general trends like politics or religion, but you want to be specific about those things, like what about politics or what about religion triggers you, you know, the way you get treated in relationship, school, or family. So the point is to identify them at their source 
so you can recognize what an upset looks like for you. Be prepared for them ahead of time and to not be at the effect of them merely because something happened that came as a surprise and you just reacted rather than chose how to respond in the situation. So in closing, what I want to say is the biggest problem with the biggest reason why people get triggered is because they wasn't expecting to get triggered. It's the shock that something, excuse my French, fucked up just happened that makes them get triggered. How the hell? What the hell? <laughs> like that. That's what triggers right. people. It's not a choice. The machinery says, Arr! and then they'd be like, oh. They think their machinery is them. And so when you can calm down, recognize what triggers you, the same way you know what triggers your husband, your, your boyfriend, your, your man, and, and your family members, you know, and, and, and you know, um, your, your cousin, who should be, I should be doing this with him too, <laughs> Steve, right? Um, when people recognize what triggers them, they'd be a whole lot more um, than when they, you know, when, they, when, they, when they're not. Because the only reason why they get triggered because they didn't know they were going to get triggered because they got shocked. Because this thing shocked them and surprised them again. Unexpected. So when you are clear about what will trigger you, you may still have that feeling, but it won't control you because feelings are terrific servants, terrible masters. You do what feelings tell you to do, it will destroy your life pretty quickly. And, and I think that's one of them, just being blindsided. That just that that that's a trigger. Yeah, I totally get it. Yeah, to blindside is the key to all the triggers. Actually, it's the shock. You know, blindside, shock, same thing. Okay, so, so we're going to where's today? The twelfth. Uh, today. No, well, today is the uh, today is the seventh. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, yeah. Tuesday the twelfth. Yeah. So we back to Tuesday. Okay. All right. So it's the twelfth. All right. Okay. All right. Anything in closing? I uh, really enjoyed the session. Thank you. I, I really got your emotions and you know your mind in it. Like it was, I, I could tell it was like really. Digging into you as I was sharing it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm definitely going to uh, listen to this session a few times. I don't blame you because this is like one of the keys, right? <laughs> yeah, I'll take care of that tomorrow. Okay, appreciate it, and I'll talk to you next Tuesday at seven. Yes, indeed. All right. Have a good All right. Night. Have a good night. All right. You too. Bye bye. Mm-hmm.